When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host Isabel Hauser and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. Last weekend I went on a short trip with my sisters and my niece. She is almost five years old and a little girl after my own heart. She loves all things magical, such as unicorns, rainbows, mermaids and princesses, probably as much as I do. The location we picked was a special treat for the both of us, a beautiful castle in the northeastern part of Switzerland. Built in the 16th century, it was gently restored to an organic 21st century standard hotel. And, as such, it was the perfect spot for the Princess Weekend, as we called our little getaway. Gliding down the grand, winding staircase to the main hall, fit with a great-grandfather clock, made me feel like a princess indeed. And walking through the English park that surrounds the castle, with Lake Constance glistening in the distance, I felt transported into a completely other world. There was even a ballroom in which one afternoon my niece insisted on dancing with me. She was in heaven, wearing a golden dress and one of my old tiaras to dinner every night. And then one evening, as she was waiting for me in the hall to go down to the dining hall, she came running towards me, beaming and exclaimed, I saw a princess, a real princess. She's practicing her dance steps in the ballroom. Come look, come look. I smiled at my niece's vivid imagination because, of course, there was no real princess in the castle and, of course, the ballroom was empty as we went to check. She looked so crestfallen that I decided to humor her, saying that it was dinner time and so perhaps the princess had just finished her practice and gone to her room to have her meal because, of course, princesses don't eat with guests like us. The next day, we were walking through the park with my niece trailing behind looking for a four-leaf clover. And suddenly she piped up, There she is! Look! The princess! I turned around but saw no one. She was carrying a bouquet of flowers! My niece cried as she came running towards me. And she went through there! She pointed at a path leading through the trees. As we followed the path to inquire, I asked my niece what the princess looked like. I thought I'd ask at the reception if a member of staff fit the description and knew that, like a princess, wouldn't be much help. My niece proceeded to describe her in great detail, dress, hair and all, and as soon as we returned to the castle, I approached the receptionist. The first teller for this episode and premiering on the podcast is Vaishali Raitata. Vaishali is an Indian storyteller based in the United Kingdom who says that her son turned her into a storyteller. 
However, her favorite memories from her own childhood include the holidays she spent at family gatherings. The best part was that everyone had so much to share that there were stories around everything. So she, too, grew up around stories, and now storytelling is the bridge that connects her to the children around her. She does a lot of voluntary activity around storytelling in schools and charity organizations in the UK. And for the podcast, she kindly offered to record a story requested by our patron Beda, The Birth of Ganesha. The story of Ganesha's divine birth and how he got an elephant head. Parvati was the daughter of Himavat, the king of mountains and the wife of Lord Shiva. They lived in the Himalayas, a beautiful snow-capped mountain chain. Shiva often went to the mountains to meditate. Parvati had one pet dislike, being interrupted when she was bathing. And Shiva often came into the house, barging in when he had no business to. One day, when Shiva was away and Parvati was in her private chamber, she rubbed her body with sandalwood paste and jasmine oil and she said to herself, This time I'll make sure no one disturbs my long and leisurely bath. She kneaded the perfumed lump like clay and she made a little figure out of it. She gave it arms, legs, a belly, a head. She carved eyes, nose and lips and cheeks. And she was so pleased to see her creation that she decided to breathe life into it. And in a blink of an eye, the figure came alive and turned into a handsome young boy. Mother, he cried out with joy. My son, said Parvati, and she was delighted equally. She embraced him and said, Now son, I am going to go for a bath. Do not let anyone enter this chamber. From today, your wish is my command, mother, he said very obediently and took his position outside her chamber. In some time, Shiva returned home and he was surprised to find the strange young boy outside Parvati's chamber. As he approached the door, the boy moved forward, blocking his way. Stop, he said. You can't go in. My mother's having a bath. Step aside, boy. I am her husband. I wish to enter my house. No, you can't. You see, it's my mom's orders not to let anyone in. I cannot disobey her orders. You don't seem to understand. Little boy, I am her husband. You can't stop me from entering my own house. I cannot disobey my mother. Now Shiva was losing his school, but the boy seemed to be fearless. I don't care what your mother is, 
who your mother is. You cannot stop me from entering my house, snapped Shiva. But the boy was sure that he is going to carry out his task and he was not going to let anyone in. He was not going to disobey his mother. And so he stood there, fearless, keeping his stick and himself on the door as guard. Shiva lost his school and raised his sword in a rage. He tried to persuade the boy, but the boy was reluctant to let Shiva in. And an angry Shiva chopped off the boy's head with one clean stroke. As the sword had touched his tender neck, he cried out, Mother! Parvati came running on hearing his cry. But she was too late. She saw his body lying on the ground. Tears rolled down her cheeks. What have you done? She cried out. You killed our son. I'll never forgive you if you don't get him back to life. She screamed like an angry tigress. But how am I supposed to know that he's our son? Said Shiva, reasonably trying to calm his angry wife. You should have known. A great god you are, she snapped. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Shiva apologized. I'll, I'll restore him to life right away. I will search for his head and fix it. But you see, with that stroke of the sword, the head had rolled away because it was a mighty stroke. And Shiva had to set off to find the boy's head. But it seemed the blow had sent it a little further away and so he walked and he walked until he came across an old elephant why do you look so sad asked the elephant oh i beheaded an innocent child said shiva in anger i did something which i shouldn't have done the elephant looked at shiva with compassion and said I am an old elephant and my life will finish soon. You can cut off my head and take it for the child. It may help to restore him to life. Shiva had tears in his eyes. Oh, wise one, how kind you are. I don't know what I could have done without you. Shiva cut the elephant's head off, took it along with him. And he placed the elephant's head on the raw, bleeding neck of the boy. The head joined seamlessly and small eyes flickered open. Shiva raised his son and embraced him. You, my son, since you were so brave a god, from today you will be the leader of my Ganas. Ganas are Shiva's followers and assistants who work for the gods' armies. And you will be known as Ganapati. No god or man will begin any venture without first making offers to you. In you shall lie all the powers to remove obstacles from the path of men and wisdom of ages. Turning to Parvati, he said, Happy now? Parvati hugged her son Ganesha and together they walked into their heavenly abode.
The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Hansel and Gretel's Culinary Arts Academy. Have all your recipes begun to taste stale? Are you longing for an exciting new spin to your spatula and savory scents to waft from your kitchen? Dream no more and sign up for a cooking class at Hansel and Gretel's Culinary Arts Academy. Having gleaned the culinary secrets of the most wicked chef in this realm and the next, Hansel and Gretel spill all the beans on how to nurture loved ones with wholesome meals or delight demanding palates with exquisite cuisine. From basic methods on how to turn leftovers into much more than the sum of their parts to intricate combinations that are a feast for eye and mouth, the classes at Hansel and Gretel's Culinary Arts Academy will cater to your every culinary-related need. Sign up for a class now and receive their best-selling cookbook, Dollops from the Gingerbread House, for free. If you bring a friend, you get a 25% discount on your next course. Hansel and Gretel's Culinary Arts Academy. Whisk yourself away to culinary wonderland. This episode is also brought to you by Oni and her children Cece and Ellie. They are generous supporters of the arts and just signed up as Magic Bean patrons. And I know that they have something really, really unique and cool. They love birds and have a magnificent collection of feathers. Ordinary looking ones, but also some that are really special, shimmering in iridescent colors, all the colors of the rainbow. And all of those feathers, the ordinary and the special ones, have a magical power. Depending on what liquid Oni and her children dip them in, the feathers will write something by themselves. For example, a feather dipped in tomato sauce will whip up a fancy recipe. One dipped in lavender essential oil will compose a lullaby. A tear mixed with clear water will put whatever is in their hearts into the most touching words, and a feather dipped in regular ink, well, that feather will do all of Cece and Ellie's homework. Being a patron is a wonderful way of showing your support. And you not only get extra bright rainbows after your thunderstorms, there are several goodies waiting for you. All patrons, from the magic beans to the seven league boots, get a story story postcard four times a year. The postcards feature one of the delightful fairy tale sponsor images. Would you like to get a postcard from the podcast? If you sign up as a patron at any level, you will get one in the mail this summer, wherever you are in the world. In fact, as we speak... I am waiting for my spring postcard and I cannot wait. Become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash story story podcast or story story podcast.com. A heartfelt thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. You are the sprinkle of cinnamon and chocolate on our morning cappuccino. Much to my disappointment, the receptionist said that there was, in fact, not a single member of staff who fit my description. I had so hoped that my niece had seen someone who worked there, someone I could potentially convince to act as a real princess to make the trip even more magical for her. And now it seemed that this princess was, indeed, just a product of my niece's vivid imagination. 
That night was our last. I stayed up late reading in the library, and it was close to midnight as I decided to make myself one last dainty porcelain cup of hand-picked from the garden herbal tea in the tea room to take up to our room. The castle was perfectly quiet, even the reception deserted as I walked past in the dim light. My steps echoed softly on the grand stairs and then fell silent on the thick carpet as I walked past the ballroom and turned the corner to our hallway. It was at that moment that the grandfather clock in the main hall struck midnight, and my imagination played a trick on me. Suddenly I heard a door open, music floating through the air, hasty high-heeled steps clicking on the stairs, the swoosh of fabric a gasp, and then silence. I... I didn't know what I was expecting when I slowly crept back to the staircase, for some reason keeping close to the wall. The ballroom lay in silent darkness, but there, on the stairs, something caught my eye. There, on one step, was a shoe. A delicate, high-heeled shoe made from silver fabric, intricately embroidered with glass beads that sparkled like diamonds even in the dim light. Now as a storyteller, I know my tales and I didn't want to meddle, so I left the shoe where it was and hurried to my room, my heart dancing wildly with excitement. The next morning, the shoe was gone, as was the magical silence that had enveloped the castle last night. It seemed almost like a dream, but I know what I saw. I haven't told my niece about it yet. Do you think I should? Well, in any case, now I know that at least in this Swiss castle, fairy tales really do come true. The second teller for this episode is Cindy Rivka Marshall, an award-winning performing artist, facilitator and consultant who has been telling stories for over 30 years. She tells multicultural and Jewish stories with universal lessons that resonate with her sense of wonder. Please enjoy her telling the story of The Jewel. Freda knew that her family was poor. All you had to do was look at her dress. It had been sewn over so many times and the cloth was all worn and faded. She had one other dress that she wore on Shabbos, and it was only a little bit nicer. Freda knew that her family was poor. All you had to do was look at what they ate every day. Sunday potatoes, Monday potatoes, Tuesday and Wednesday potatoes, Thursday and Friday potatoes, 
And a special treat on Shabbos, potato pudding, Sunday potatoes again. Zontig bulbas, Montig bulbas, Dinstig und Mittwoch bulbas, Donnerstig und Freitag bulbas, Ober Shabbos in a novena bulba kigela. Zuntig, Freytig, Bulbas. Except, in Freyda's family, they didn't just have a potato pudding on Shabbos. You see, her parents, Yosef and Sorala, always liked to honor the Sabbath with a special meal and would save their money all week. Freyda went with her papa on Friday mornings to the market. Jaime, the fish seller, always kept his eye out for Yosef, because he knew, by most standards, that he was a big spender. Yosef, come here! Oh, have I got a fish for you! You want to see? Let me show you. Oh, Jaime, that does look good. All right, I'll take it. Freda would watch her papa count out the coins. Jaime would wrap up the fish. Yosef, don't get me wrong, I appreciate your business. But I think maybe you're a little mashugana, a little crazy to be spending all your money on one meal. Oh, Jaime, it's all right. I want that we should honor the Sabbath and have a fine meal. Good Shabbos, Jaime. Freda and her papa would bring home all the food for their meal. And Sorla, Freda's mother, would say, Go on. Go and get all the work done before the sun sets. So Freda would help her papa with one more thing that day. Yosef was a woodcutter. Now the woods surrounding the town belonged to the wealthy landowner who lived in a large house at the edge of the forest. But he had said to Yosef, You may go into the forest and collect the wood and sell it, on the condition that you provide for me plenty of firewood, split and stacked neatly. So Yosef went out into the forest surrounding the town and gathered fallen branches. He pruned trees carefully so that they would still grow. And because Yosef did not work on the Sabbath, Every Friday, he made sure that the landowner had plenty of firewood. As a special favor, he brought some wood into the landowner's kitchen, and Freda's job was to carry in an armful of kindling, and they would stack it neatly by the fireplace. Freda loved to go into that kitchen. Why, the kitchen was larger than her whole house. The landowner ate off of dishes of real china and with silver, forks and knives and spoons. The landowner would stand watching Freda and her papa. From his pocket hung a gold chain, and he would take out his pocket watch and flip it open. Freda noticed that on the lid of the pocket watch were jewels.
When Frida got home with her papa, she said, I wish that you had a pocket watch, just like the landowner. Fredela, what do I need with a pocket watch? Well, Mama would know just what time to light the Shabbos candles. Freda, we don't need a watch. Just look at the sky. You can see the sun is setting. Shabbos is nearly here. But, Papa, I wish that you had jewels like the landowner. Freda, let me tell you something, you know. We do have a jewel. We do? Where is it? It's here. You look for it tonight, in the light of the Shabbos candles. Maybe you'll see it. So Freda did look for it. She looked all around their little house that evening. She didn't see any jewel. She didn't know what her papa was talking about. But after a while, she just joined in the singing. They were singing about how it was Shabbos all over the world. La di da di la di da di la di da 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 he a di da di a di da di a di da da. Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. So sein jeden Shabbos. Shabbos, so sein Shabbos, so sein Shabbos auf der ganze Welt. Shabbos, 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 so sein jeden Shabbos. Shabbos, so sein Shabbos, so sein Shabbos auf der ganze Welt. The next week, when Freda went with her papa to bring the firewood into the landowner's kitchen, she put the kindling near the fireplace, and then she began to follow her papa out the door, when she suddenly realized she had left her mittens on the floor. She ran back in, and at that moment she was alone with the landowner. He was standing there as usual, with his pocket watch open. You know, we have a jewel. You do? Yes, we have a jewel, just like you. My papa said so. Really? Freda ran out of the kitchen, but the landowner was left standing there, his curiosity growing how could Yosef, a poor woodcutter, have a jewel? What is that girl talking about? Now, jewels, that is something I know a lot about. Hmm, maybe I'm not charging enough rent. How can he afford a jewel? Well, the landowner grew so curious that later that evening, he walked down past Yosef's house. He could hear them inside, singing. Did you hear a knock at the door? Who could it be? Yosef opened the door and was surprised to see the landowner standing there. Oh, do you need something? Would you like to come in? 
Uh, no, no, Yosef, I... I'm sorry to interrupt you. I... I just wanted to say it's getting colder and I could use some more firewood. Oh, of course. As soon as the Sabbath is over, I'll come by. Somehow walking back into his large house that night, the landowner felt that it was more cold and empty than usual. To console himself, he unlocked his chest of jewels to count them and polish them. And he found himself humming. Oh, what am I doing? I'm singing such nonsense. Well, Yosef didn't seem to have any jewel. I didn't see him wearing anything. Oh, they're so poor. They had a nice meal, though. I think tomorrow I'll go and buy myself a new jewel in the city. The next morning was a fine day, and the landowner walked across the bridge over the fast-moving river that separated the town from the city. He arrived at the jeweler's shop, and this time he selected a pearl. The jeweler offered to wrap it in a package, but the landowner was concerned about meeting thieves along the road. So he concealed the pearl in the band of his hat, and off he went. On his way back to town, he was enjoying the bright sunny day, and he stopped partway across the bridge to gaze at the current in the river. Just then, a big gust of wind blew up and and lifted the hat right off his head. Why, it landed in the water below. Oh, my hat. My hat. I can't reach it. Oh, the water's cold. I, I can't swim. And the landowner watched helplessly as the hat and the pearl with it sank to the bottom of the river. Well, of course, he told no one. Several weeks went by. One Friday morning, when Freda was with her papa in the market, once again, Jaime the fish seller called them over. Yosef, come, you, you must see this. This is the biggest fish I have ever seen. But I thought maybe you, of all people, would like to buy it. Jaime, what a fine fish! All right, I'll take it. I'll invite lots of guests over for dinner. I'll buy it. And Freda watched as her papa took every coin out of his little coin purse and paid Jaime. Freda had to help her papa carry it home. That fish was so large. Later that day, her parents were working together to clean the fish. When they sliced it open... In the belly of the fish, something was gleaming. What is this? It's a pearl. A genuine pearl. But how did it get in the belly of the fish? The fish must have swallowed it, but a pearl in the river? As soon as the Sabbath was over, 
Yosef brought that pearl to the rabbi, and he told him what had happened. He wasn't quite sure what to do with it. The rabbi told him, Yosef, you honor the Sabbath so beautifully. I think that pearl is your reward. Yosef and Sarla took the pearl to the city, and they sold it, and then quietly gave most of that money to charity. They thought, there are so many in need, maybe they could have a nice meal for Shabbos. One thing they did allow themselves was a little extra money so they could invite friends to their table every week. One week, Yosef got carried away and he even invited the wealthy landowner. To Freda's surprise, he accepted. Sitting at the table that night, Freda watched and saw that the landowner was enjoying his dinner, though he wasn't saying much. After the meal, as the others were talking, Freda saw the landowner reach into his pocket and take out his watch and flip it open. And that reminded Freda of the conversation she had had with her papa. Papa, do you remember a long time ago when you said that we have a jewel? Everyone stopped and looked at Yosef, especially the landowner. Yosef put his arm around Freda. Mein Kindle, what I was talking about was not the kind of jewel that you can hold in your hand, no. When I said we have a jewel, I meant that we have Shabbos, this holy time, when we can rest from work, pray and sing and tell stories and be together. Shabbos is our jewel. The landowner smiled at Freda, closed his watch and put it away. And then even he joined in the singing. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find by Shali Raitata on the internet and Cindy Riff Commercial at cindymarshall.com. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. Wonderful spring is upon us, but most of us are still unable to perform in real life. But we'll still keep telling stories with online events, which you, yes, you can hear from the comfort of your own home during an unexpected April blizzard or cozy evening or bright morning coffee or, or, or. The options are abundant. Go find your favorite tellers on the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. You can connect with the podcast and Rachel Ann on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. And you can find me at isabelhauser.com. You can see the delightful fairy tale sponsor ads on the Story Story Podcast Instagram and Facebook page. And while you are there, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. 
the inspiration for the true fairy tale was indeed the princess weekend I spent with my sisters and niece a few days ago in a real Swiss castle. The music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music.